Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today in the food space, have you ever heard of tahini? Oh, yeah. You are going to love this product today. I'm so excited. I, I can't even wait um, to introduce you to Amy Zeidelman. She's on today. She's the founder of Sum Foods. Amy, it's so great to have you on the podcast. So great to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. So fun. I had so much fun researching you, getting to know you like without knowing you yet and your company. I can't even wait. I mean, you've been doing this 10 years. It's pretty awesome. Um. Okay, so where should we begin? Let's talk about your idea for this business and how it all got started. How about that? Get, go rewind the clock 10 years or so and, and tell us a little bit about this product and where your idea got started. 10 years ago, you have a very <laughs> unmotivated Amy Zeidelman, a senior at University of Delaware. Oh uh, my gosh. <laughs> not as productive with her time as she probably would have been. Right. With two older sisters, though, that are... Um, you know, round out our little triangle. And my oldest sister, Shelby at the time, was living in Israel uh, as she was getting to know our middle sister, Jackie's then boyfriend, now husband, Omri. And Omri has been in the tahini, or as they call it, of course, in Israel and in um, Arabic language, tahina business for, uh -huh. at this point, almost 20 years. So back then, quite a while as well. And when Omri introduced Shelby uh, uh, across all Israeli cuisine to high quality tahini, something that we really weren't privy to as American consumers, it actually started a lot of the questions in her mind, which was what type of tahini is available in the States and why isn't a more why isn't it a more popular ingredient? Right. And she called me the board college senior saying, let's do some market research. So that <laughs> was the idea for senior. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So you've got some listeners going, wait, what? A tahini. What is tahini? Right. So give us a definition. Get get us familiar with the product. Yeah, I love that because that is my question to people still to this day. And back then when I did all the demos in the farmer's markets is, are you familiar with tahini? And most people still say no, and even more said no back then. And I like to describe tahini as an ingredient, which it is, which is thicker than olive oil and thinner than peanut butter, okay. but can be used for both in savory or sweet recipes. I should go back to the very beginning of our supply chain, which is that tahini is made from roasted and pressed sesame seeds. So it's a mm. sesame type butter condiment ingredient that you use to make dips, probably most familiar as its use in hummus and tahini oh, sauce on falafel it. and shawarma. Uh, but tahini can be used in soups and salad dressings, smoothies and desserts. I mean, the versatility is endless when you have a high quality tahini. That's amazing. Okay. So you, you, you find a market opportunity, you find a product that you think is under leveraged or under marketed in another part of the world. And how did you decide to go from that to I'm going to start a business in this space and actually like package it up and sell product? I think we called it dumb and young. You know, we were just naive. <laughs> right. We thought if there wasn't good tahini here, why don't we bring it? Right. Um, and we have, I would say, taken the easy road as it relates to probably many other entrepreneurs that you've talked to, which is 
We didn't bring the manufacturing in-house. We weren't, you know, messing with an ingredient, an old family heirloom ingredient that we had to scale up for mass production or anything like that. We really looked into established manufacturing and, of course, supply chain cogs in order to uh, get started. So we've always used contracted manufacturers. Um, for East, we even used the jars that they were using. And we really just tried to start with the most important part of what I believe a product is, which is the product itself, not the brand, not the packaging, just high quality tahini. Uh, so we really focused on who was already, who could contribute and help us do what we were doing, maybe a little bit easier than if we tried to do it all ourselves. Got it. And so, okay, very, very cool. Did you have help there or where did you get started? What was the first product out of the gate? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So our first product was an 18 ounce jar Whoa. of tahini. And you might think that that sounds really random, which in our market it is. It's actually a half kilo amount, which in Israel is very standard. Their sizes typically range from a half kilo to, uh, you know, which is like 1.1 pounds to a full kilo. And so we were really just uh, without, I guess, the most robust market research, we started with that half kilo. Got and it. it was in a white jar, an opaque jar, which is standard for tahini across cultures where tahini is more familiar. You couldn't see the product inside. And we worked with a friend and a colleague to make a first iteration of our website and our labels. But we did not <laughs> invest a lot into the brand originally. Uh, we really just kind of scraped together a kind of our least viable product that we could get to market just to get started. Sure. And then sure. we started receiving that immediate market feedback from consumers, customers, grocery store managers that helped us get to where our part packaging currently stands. So at first, like, where did you sell it? You know, that first, <laughs> that first product that you're cobbling together and using friends and family, I'll say, to create the labels and the packaging and, okay, we've got it. We, we've put together product in our kitchen somewhat. Uh, then what? Who, like, who, where did you sell? Online or stores or where? I had a list of hundreds of establishments between oh. DC and New York. So we're based in Philadelphia, which we love for its proximity to Philly, a great town. And of course, also DC and New York of restaurants, kebab shops, oh, yeah. uh, ice I cream places, kebabs. smoothie stores, small retailers, co-ops. Uh, I mean, the list goes on because I still do believe that any everybody will and can use tahini. Uh, but that list was obviously quickly refined. So we got a great foundation in our revenue through selling into the food service channel by got selling it. a more wholesale size to restaurants across the country. And we supplemented that with selling our product online, uh, primarily on Amazon, actually, from the very beginning, and also in small retailers and chains. And we've really let our consumer side of the business grow pretty organically as we focused the first five or six years almost exclusively on food service to Got really it. get our foundation. Wow, it's amazing. Um, do, what did success look like the first couple of months slash year? Was it or did you have to tweak the recipe and packaging or like what did that look like the, that first year plus? We we changed the, the packaging uh, immediately by the second fill. So it's funny for our first order, we had no terms with our manufacturer and the mm. minimum was 10,000 pounds of tahini. Oh, my God. Uh, and we split that up between 11 pound buckets that came four to a box okay. and these 18 ounce jars that came 12 to a box. 
And as you can probably imagine, the restaurants didn't like our bucket sizes and the retailers and consumers didn't like our jar sizes. Uh, So the initial feedback that we got was that since people were unfamiliar with tahini, they wanted to be able to see the product. So we decided to source a clear jar, much more consistent also with the nut butter category, because we've been working really hard to get tahini out of the international aisle and into the nut butter section. Got it. Um, We also got the feedback, of course, for a smaller jar. Most people said back to me, what would I ever do with so much tahini? So we put it into an 11 ounce jar instead. And our buckets, we quickly transitioned to 40 pound buckets. So instead of selling four smaller buckets, we now sell a larger 40 pounder. 40 pounds. Holy cow. Yeah, it's like a Jeez. five gallon detail of. I mean, of yep. we sell a 40 gallon bucket. Oh my God. Um, wow. Okay. And so. Uh, great. So you got feedback. You, you shifted product. Um, when did you start seeing success? Like, where? What did that look like? You know, where was the first? Oh my God! I think we got something. You know what I mean? Like, when? When did you feel like that? Early days. We got so lucky early on in this food service channel with the types of restaurants and chefs we were able to connect with. Uh, one of the people that we had the opportunity to talk with during our market research stage is an amazing chef. And his uh, restaurant partner, which is Mike Solomonov and Steve Cook of Zahav Restaurant here in Philadelphia, if anybody's familiar. And we asked Mike, Chef Mike, some of the same questions that we were asking to our consumer channels, which was, what tahini are you using? Do you like it? And do you want something better? And when he told us that he didn't like the tahini that he had available, he has an esteemed Israeli restaurant here in Philadelphia that was something that really pushed us towards that first input. And he was actually the first person I called when we got our first import. And uh, he was our first customer. So he tasted the tahini and compared it to what they were using and said, yeah, we'd love for you to deliver here every week, you know, moving forward. I would say though, early on, that was initial success. I mean, I was selling the product and then delivering the product and following right. up with people. Everything. You were all the hats. Right. <laughs> and that was my favorite thing was making those connections and building those relationships and having the opportunity to hear the feedback, right? If we did get into a small store, like a co-op, I was in there a night or two a week, demoing the product and hearing from customers. We popped up at a couple farmer's markets or on Saturday and Sunday mornings, I was out there sampling. I mean, I knew as we all do, when you have a product that is not well known, people need to try it and hear about it. Um, And so that was, I think, initial success was the ability to have that real-time feedback. Wow. Uh, over time, you've added to the product mix. Obviously, I mean, gosh, I'm looking at um, your your products here. You've got kind of the premium and organic and, and whatnot. Then you get a vanilla, vanilla bean, dark chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I mean, sque- squeeze packs. I mean, so how did you decide over time what to add? And for what, can, I'll call it a consumption occasion, but you know, like, how did you know what to add and when so that you could drive sales with these new products? Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, we are pretty green in our product development. We uh, launched chocolate, I think, in maybe 2014 or 2015. And it was really to carve out additional space in our category in the nut butter section and to compete with the other flavored spreads uh, entering the market. And also to contribute to the consumer education that we were working on, which was that tahini was good for more than just hummus, right? right. One of some of our favorite ways to use tahini is in cookies or brownies. And by creating a chocolate flavor that people could taste in real time, 
we thought that that would contribute to it. And those were the only two products we sold up until we launched dark chocolate sea salt in the spring of 2020 for a limited mm. edition. Um, we got that feedback and then made it a permanent member of our family just this past year, maybe Q3 of 202021. Um, and we just added vanilla also at the end of 2021. And so those have been to expand our in in our current category in the nut in the nut butter section. Uh, the usage occasions is for just wanting a little sweet treat and eating it straight from the jar to preparing and baking with it, or maybe looking for an alternative topping for your yogurt or granola um, and an oatmeal. And so the uses of all of our SKUs contribute to one of our favorite qualities of tahini, which is its versatility. We Um, want people to be able to imagine taking all Soom products and using it at lots of different stages of their consumption throughout the day or week or month. Sure. Lots of different ways to leverage this product. Um, Before we hit record, we were laughing about uh, social networks and the power of LinkedIn and and, uh, people we knew together, which is cool. Um, Talk about the marketing your product. And and I was... (laughs) I, I noticed on uh, on uh, Instagram you got a, a few followers, like thirty one thousand. Um, how do you develop that kind of following? Is it helpful? And do you sell? You know, with so, on social, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it's such a great question, and it's one that our marketing team is always asking. Um, we were established on Instagram because it was the media that I personally like to use when we started Zoom, and so. I very haphazardly managed that account for several years. And once that kind of, you know, reached, I reached my capacity in that regard, we started hiring entry level or even interns to do our social media for us. But we've always seen social media as a way to connect with people and to contribute to our consumer education. Uh, It's only in the past few months that we've really tried to crack the code of using those channels for sales, especially it. as it relates to digital sales. Um, they've always just been in support of what we're working to accomplish, which is empowering people to bring tahini into their homes, into their kitchens, and, and using it not just once, but more often. Um, and so we've built it very organically early on, you know, eight years ago, you it was easier, I would say, to connect with influencers and food creators and bloggers than it is now. And right. we've cultivated very close relationships with people who have also grown to have large followings over the past eight years. And that's helped us, I think, to carve our space on social media. Um, but our marketing is always in contribution of our ultimate goals, which is to have people use Sihini and to appreciate its versatility and the way that good food can bring people together. Love that. What a great, great tagline too. Um, you got your marketing spiel down. Uh, yeah. you, <laughs> you've been doing this 10 years. I mean, you, you've grown a business. Like, what does growth look like for you? Like, as you think about the next six to 12 months, is are there key things that to accelerate or that you need to do to, to expand awareness or trial? Or what does that look like? Oh, yes. You know exactly what we're working on. Uh, awareness <laughs> and trial. You've got oh, it. Oh, good. Actually, I nailed I was, 
<laughs> as I was scrolling back through your episodes, I saw you had somebody from EOS on it. I and did. we have implemented EOS oh, in order cool. to tackle those big issues and to help us accomplish our goals in a structured way and hold all team members accountable in what we're working towards. Very cool. Um, and yes, you know, our main issues that we're working on are driving trials with samples. It's why you'll see those squeeze packs as new products oh, that we recently it. launched, okay. not just for sales, but also for sampling and trial. Um, and also, of course, always improving on our operations and our supply chain. It's so funny because I think it's a consistent thing across all aspects of life, but bigger anything, like bigger problems, right? Bigger kids, bigger problems, uh, bigger business, bigger problems. And it just is all kind of par for the course. The beginning was, and it is still is so fun, but growing those first five years, a hundred percent year on year, you know, at least uh, was exciting and almost um, organic in its effort. Like what we put in, we immediately saw a return on. And then once you reach a certain threshold, you're really grinding through that growth. And that I think has been the most rewarding challenge is figuring out how to overcome the issues in particular in today's climate where supply chains have a lot of uncertainties and costs are going up and margins are being squeezed to, of course, taking care of our employees and making sure that everybody is in the right seats and able to set out what we're trying to accomplish. So it's been a fun time for me to be able to refine my role at Zoom from doing everything back then (laughs) to now really overseeing strategy and culture and this ultimate execution to our goals. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, you can check out the episode on EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Just rewind a couple of months and you'll find it. Um, Okay, I love to ask our guests this. You know, you've been in this now um, through different stages of growth. You know, share with us two or three pieces of advice you'd offer to other entrepreneurs that are listening or others that are thinking of launching a new food brand or new company in or around the space. You know, what would be something you'd offer to them as, as advice or coaching? Yeah, our father has always said this in life, and it's very much applied to our business, which is that it always takes longer and costs more money. So (laughs) if you're working on something uh, very long term, I think it's good to keep that in the back of your mind to really hold everybody's feet to the fire to execute. Um, So takes longer and costs more money is a big one that we come back to a lot. And the other one is to, to be really... I think, open with your ideas. Uh, Yes, there's competition out there, but the reality is, is that nobody's going to, very few people have truly unique ideas. And once an idea is out there, it can be copied immediately. So stay true to yourself, stay true to your values, focus on quality and execution, and be willing to share with people what you're working on. Because I think more times than not, at least in my experience, I was always surprised by how helpful people were when I asked questions or shared with them what I was working on. So those are two pieces of advice that I can share. I love that. Um, You make an interview very fun and easy, Amy. I love this. So great. Um, Share with our audience where they can find you, where they can connect with you, where they can find your product, etc. Yeah, thank you. Well, you can find everything about Zoom on our website, Zoom, that's S as in Sam, O-O-M as in mom, foods.com. We're also on social media with the same handles, Zoom Foods. And as we were discussing, um, Justin, before we started recording, 
social media is not my favorite place, uh, <laughs> uh, but LinkedIn I am on. So it's Amy Zeidelman. And of course, you can also find find Zoom Foods there. That's so cool. Forbes 30 under 30 and author, also the author of The Tahini Table. That's kind of cool. Yes, a published author. I can't believe it. I love that. That's really, really cool. Um, love it. You got to come back on. I mean, uh, you're ten years in, but your early days—that's what I feel like. You know, yeah. people. I do. I feel like there's so much market for you, so much understanding of your product to come, uh, so much breadth and retail for you to experience and and, and reach into. So you got to come back on down the road and share other stories with us, Amy. It'd be great to have you back. Thank you. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, you're, we're really firing on all cylinders now. So food service for several years online, and now our retail engine is just starting to grow. So I'm sure I'll have lots to learn from your other uh, participants on the pod- podcast myself. Well, I love it. And we're going to get you back on the next couple of months. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.